Welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast with your host, Tina Conroy. Gain clarity, confidence, and trust in your inner wisdom. Explore spiritual topics, including intuition, healing, wellness, yoga, vibrant living, and more. Hey guys, how is everybody doing out there? I'm always so excited to share the day with you and share this space. So wherever you are, take a big breath in and exhale away and welcome. I also want to share that if you're not part of the Intuitive Woman Facebook group, please go over there and join us. We have so much fun as a community. Every Friday is live at five. And there is where you can ask questions to spirit. And I do intuitive readings. It is every Friday, Eastern time, live at five. So go find me. It's searchable on Facebook, Intuitive Women Facebook group, and come join us. We have a lot of fun. Also, I wanted to share with you that I'm going to be starting a 21-day kickoff challenge. And I'll tell you why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I woke up today and I feel like the fog was lifted. I think a lot had to do with the weather. The weather is finally really nice here on the East Coast, and I'm very affected by the weather. I was kind of in a, let's say, down cycle in the winter. And although the winter wasn't as horrible as it could be on the East Coast, I was having a really tough time. And being really vulnerable with you guys, it was just a challenge. I felt like I just couldn't get out from underneath. My habits did not go to the best of the way that I want them. And I have to tell you that I just felt like I was sort of digging a hole. And I woke up today and I thought, what better way than to engage my listeners and engage my community on a 21-day kickoff challenge? This way, we can be accountable to each other and we can really create the things that we want in our life. 21 days makes a change. And I'm going to kick this off for May 1st. So there's a lot of time for you to join. Just go into my Facebook group, the Intuitive Women group, and join the group. And then you're going to be seeing a lot of information about it. I'm going to love to have everybody join us. And then we're going to kick it off May 1st. So for 21 days, May 1st to May 21st. And we're going to really kick off all the things that we need to change to make a better life for ourselves. Those intuitive hits that we've been thinking about, oh, I want to do this or I want to do that. And it's really inner. It could be so many things. It could be adding something like meditation or walking or an exercise program. It could be journaling, but it also could be something that you need to, to switch and change. So like a habit and those habits need to be changed if that's what you prefer, but to replace them with something else. So there'll be a lot more information, but don't forget to check it out on the Facebook group. So as I have you all here, I would love for you all to take a nice breath in. Let's center and exhale. Take a moment to really connect to yourself, ground your energy, and find your connection. Take another deep breath in and exhale. As we're kicking off the third in the series of the spirituality and intuition in business, I am so excited to bring to you today Jesse Haggerty. Jesse Haggerty is a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and certified personal trainer. 
Her podcast is The Body Love Project. As a health at every size practitioner focusing on intuitive eating and movement and weight inclusive wellness, she uses her skills in nutrition and movement therapy and marketing to run her private practice where she helps women improve their relationship with food and their bodies so they can show up for what matters most in their life. You can reach Jesse at jessiehaggerty.com. So welcome, Jesse. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks. So glad to be here. It's so awesome. We were just checking out a little offline and we are native New Yorkers, right? Yes. Well, not only New Yorkers, but Long Islanders. It's like a special breed of New Yorkers, I think. It is a special breed. And it was so interesting because when we were chatting, we realized we're only a stone's throw of a town away. So yeah, so close. I was actually there this weekend. I was in Oyster Bay this weekend, this past weekend. Oh, very. And you know what? You got great weather. You're very lucky. I know. And same here too, where I'm in Boston now and it's finally spring. So I, my mood is like done a 180. I agree. Yesterday we took the train to Manhattan and just walking around and I couldn't believe how many people were actually in Central Park. It's like everybody decided to come out of the woodwork, but it was so nice to see people running around, the kids running around. We were on one of those big rocks and we just kind of like sat ourselves down on one of those big rocks and just like hung yeah. out and sun ourselves. And they're like dogs everywhere and kids everywhere. It was really awesome to see people finally out and about. So yeah, like a new city. Yeah. And so we're turning the corner in spring. We have a full moon actually uh, upon us. So it comes in late tonight. I've actually been talking to a lot of my students and clients and prior to a couple days before the full moon, there's always this intensity. I don't know. I always feel it, but I'm feeling finally really good. I always feel like that right before it kind of births and it's a great thing to get rid of something. So I was just talking about time to let something go, bring in the real good weather of the spring. Oh yeah. I like that. That's so interesting. Cause I, I don't know if I ever put my, my mood or my energy levels like with that moon cycle. But now that you're saying that I'm like last night I was up I couldn't sleep. I watched like eight episodes of Shark Tank in a row. Oh man. <laughs> did you ever watch that show? I do. I do. I was like, and like you can't, there, there's not really much separation between the episodes because they just keep showing more and more people over and over again. And I, I was like, I can't go to sleep. I have to see what's next. I love those shows. I love, I always get, I always feel bad though when I don't know everyone's names and they're so mean. I'm like, they're so mean to them. They work so hard. I know. I know. I know. It's rough. It's a rough one. So as we're in the series of spirituality and intuition and business, take us back a little bit, if you don't mind, as a child and your upbringing. So either a spiritual upbringing or a religious upbringing. I think my upbringing was fairly typical of a lot of people I know now in the sense that we grew up Catholic, but it was very much cultural, not so much religious. Um, my mom's side of the uh, family is Italian and they're like our, the biggest side of our family. And so like we always did really big holidays, like really big things for Christmas. And even Easter was a pretty big holiday, but not, really so much for the religious reasons, more of just like the family gathering reasons. And it was like an excuse for everyone to get together. I think that in my grandmother's generation, it was probably more of a religious 
uh, experience, but for us, it was more just like, this is what we do around this time of year. And, um, and I went to Catholic school, uh, not Catholic school, but I went to like a after school religion program. I know that like they call it something different everywhere. And I, you know, I made communion and I made my confirmation, but like after I think confirmation was probably the last time I've actually been to church (laughs) to be honest with you. And, um, and it just was like, we did it because it was something that like everyone in my family did. You just, it, we didn't really question it. And until my sister, she's like the youngest and she was like, well, I don't want to do this. Like she just decided not to do it. And I remember being like, oh, I, I had that choice. Like I didn't even know I had a choice. So I kind of just like went along with it. And then, and then as I got, got started getting older, that's like when I started questioning things and I was like, what is religion? Like, why do we have these things? And it's just interesting it's to me. So interesting. It's very similar to, it's, it's interesting because it's pretty similar to kind of my upbringing. We had the same thing. My dad's side was very, you know, Italian and it was all about the big Christmas Eve, right? The seven fishes, yeah. the whole big yes. thing, right? So we have that. And then all the holidays were big and I think it was a little bit more you did it as family, you did it as ritual, then there was communions and confirmations. And you're right. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, I couldn't even imagine having a choice saying, no, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to have my communion. It didn't even dawn on me that I would have that choice. So that's so interesting that your younger sister was like, no, why, why am I doing this? I know. Yeah. I guess the church became kind of in the background. And then would you say, did you stay a spiritual person or did you find your spirituality in different ways? Yeah. I, I always, I always kind of identified with that phrase, like spiritual, but not religious. Cause I, I have always really believed that there is something bigger than us, like moving the human experience along. <laughs> I always find it like, this is also like just very opinionated of me, I believe, but like, I also find it somewhat self-centered for us to think that like, we're just the center of the universe. I always think like, no, there's like, there's a greater plan. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's necessarily like fate or something like that, but I think that, you know, there is energy that kind of moves us along that we just don't have control over, which is why I love doing the work that I do because we so often think that we have control over everything in our lives and like the spiritual part of me just kind of likes to be able to relinquish that control. (laughs) It's true. When you can finally say, well, the big word that a lot of people struggle with is surrender because the first connotation of surrender is that you're giving up or you're weak. But the true sense of surrender is so strong because you're, you have to have the strength to surrender to know that there's something bigger and greater or trust in the universe or trust that he'll support. And, and I love that. And, you know, it really interests me and we'll get into how you are the intuitive eating and, and all of that, because that is so confusing to so many people. But before we even go there, share, share with us what drew you to nutrition and what drew you to being a dietitian. So how did that all come about? Yeah, it's, it's funny, like looking back on it and, and now like talking about, like (laughs) talking about religion or talking about spirituality and it all kind of overlaps, I think, um, where I feel like there's like two, like I have kind of two like parts of me, like one is like this 
people pleaser. But then I also have this like rebellious part of me, which is, um, which I think is also my intuition. <laughs> uh, my intuition's like, wait, why are you doing that? And so like the people pleaser part of me is the person who was like, yeah, I'll go get confirmed as a Catholic. Like everyone seems to want me to do that. So I'll do that. Never questioned it. Never really rebelled against that. Um, and I had grown up dancing. I always like really loved, you know, dancing and movement and teaching. Like I, I was like dance captain and a couple of shows in high school and I loved doing stuff like that. But then like that people pleaser part of me, everyone was like, well, how are you going to get a job? Like, what are you going to do for work? <laughs> like, what do you, what is your degree going to be in? And, um, I always feel like the arts are not really something that people per, like really push you to, <laughs> to pursue. Um, and so I started thinking of things like, well, what goes hand in hand with dance? And that was the next step for me was personal training. That was something I could do right away. I did that like the second I graduated high school. And then I figured like, well, if I'm doing that now, I can go to college for nutrition. And on like the other side of that, I was really interested in nutrition because I just, I lived in our culture basically where I saw every adult in my life dieting, struggling to lose weight, obsessing about their body. And I felt like I, it elicited so many questions for me and I just wanted to find some answers. And, and so I figured I would go to school and like become an expert and, and then you finish school and you're like, there are no answers. <laughs> like, mm -hmm there's still so many questions. It's the same thing as like religion and spirituality, right? Like there's so many things that we just don't know. So yeah, that's like, that's a couple of reasons why I got into the field. Now, were there people in your family or friends that were struggling with, was it because like, there's a whole thing about nutrition, obviously dieting and losing weight, but was it more just nutrition was so confusing or were they, you know, did they have, um, you know, diseases because of obesity or overweight, or was it just like a combination of like, I don't really know what nutrition is. Let me help f myself find it. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, it was a combination of a couple of the things like no one ever really had any, any chronic diseases. I mean, it would maybe like high cholesterol or high blood pressure, but it was nothing serious. Um, not to like take this, the seriousness away from those things, but it wasn't like anything so groundbreaking that it scared me. But what I saw over and over again was just like the, the dialogue that was happening it was like, my parents were always on a diet or they, you know, that our house was just filled with diet foods. And, you know, we, like, I heard a lot of conversation about good foods and bad foods and, you know, the next diet that another adult was on. And I heard a lot of adults talking about how they didn't like this part of their body or that part of their body. And I think I just was like, Oh, I don't want to have to deal with that stuff. Like I want to figure out how, how not to feel like that, which is funny now because <laughs> I feel like I help people not feel that way, but without the dieting part. <laughs> so yeah. So I think that, I think it was more just like, I did not want to struggle the way I saw everyone else struggling. And I, I figured I could figure out away how, I guess. So you went to school for nutrition, but you actually, you went to school to be a registered dietitian. Yes. Is that correct? So yeah. that is a pretty focused, I would believe it's a pretty focused industry and, and degree. 
But then I know you're also certified intuitive eating counselor. So that's where, this is where I think it's confusing because (laughs) I have the same, we're so interesting that we're having this conversation because I still fall into the category of like, it's good. It's bad. You know, it's fat free. Mm -hmm. It's low fat. You know, my brother does paleo. My sister does blah, blah, blah. This one does, you know, no carbs, you know, and growing up as well. My parents were never heavy, but they were, my dad was always watching his weight and he would do Atkins. That was like the big thing. He'd do Atkins Mm -hmm. and he'd lose a bunch of weight and then he would quit smoking, but then he'd go back to smoking and then he'd gain weight and then, you know, so it was a something. So I knew there was a way to control food and I knew there was a way, again, another diet. I'm just using Atkins as an example, Mm -hmm. but that was the first diet I'd ever went on. Really? I, I remember my dad like walking around with that little book. And it was like the end, you know, it was like the best thing in the world. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like the card counting book yeah, or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And now there's, there's so much, but it's so difficult because our culture is all about what's good, what's bad. And mm-hmm. then you have to have X, Y, you have to have the perf- this certain BMI in the certain chart. Like I look at those charts and I'm just like, okay are these real? Like, does that take into account the 23 year old and the 50 year old? No, it just takes into account the woman. And you look at this big chart and, and then, you know, the the other sad part is there's so, there's so much obesity on the planet. There's so much obesity in the United States. There's, you know, I was just traveling recently and there were people struggling to get on a plane. There were people struggling to, to walk. They had, you know, we were actually, my husband and I were in Orlando and they, they're more than not people that were morbidly obese were on the scooters because they couldn't walk because now they have so many disabilities from the weight. So that, you know, then it's like another whole gamut we can get into, but how did you find, or did you feel called to this intuitive eating? So how did that come about? That It took me a long time to, to come about that. And so when I started, I was so lucky to work with what I should say when I started working as a personal trainer, once I really kind of took that on as like a full-time or more full-time job, I was like in college and I was working part-time that. And then when I graduated, I started working for this woman full-time. Her and I are still really good friends. Her name is Colleen. And I felt like she was one of the first people in my life who like I had just kind of met, um, she didn't know me my whole life. And she really helped me understand that like my intuition was a strength and that like, it didn't really matter like how many letters or credentials I had after my name. Was that like (laughs) the fact that I was able to kind of work with someone and help them just using, I mean, obviously using my knowledge too, but using my intuition was helping people. And it wasn't about like opening a book and being like, Oh, your knee hurts. Let's do X, Y, and Z to fix your knee. It was more about like, well, what else is going on? Like, can we take like the whole person into account? And I feel like as I started integrating like more nutrition into my practice and once I got my registered dietitian certification or license, I, I realized that so much about like what I was doing was behavioral and, (laughs) but people still wanted the plan. Like they wanted the diet. They wanted like the paleo, the Atkins, like how, how many meals, like how many calories should I eat every day? And I felt like, again, this was like me 
being like, okay, should I be a people pleaser and just give them, give the people what they want? (laughs) Or can I, can I use my intuition and also help these people tap into their intuition to figure out what their body needs? And I didn't know anything about intuitive eating at the time. So I was just struggling to like find the language and find the methods to do this like on my own for years. And I really struggled with it. It was really hard because I, I had like no tools as a practitioner. And then I found intuitive eating and, um, it was like everything clicked and everything just like made sense. (laughs) And then, then I started helping people more with this like concrete kind of these concrete intuitive eating tools. It's weird. I feel like my intuition kind of like brought me to (laughs) intuitive eating. Right. So you listened to yourself that you felt there was a need out there to have a better, not a better way, but I guess I'll listen to yourself in how to eat and how to take care of yourself rather than it has to be this or A, B or C. Right. And so using your own intuition and then helping people to connect to theirs. I mean, that's what yes. it sounds like. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, I know very, I shouldn't say very little. I have, I've tried to understand a little bit of intuitive eating. I've always struggled, I'd say with my weight, you know, I've always been, I've, I've never, it's not like I was up a hundred pounds down a hundred pounds, but you know, I've always struggled with the 15, 20 and I've been on every diet known to man. Mm-hmm. And I went through a period where, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to just eat whatever feels good to me today. And, you know, for me, I guess I'm just like the all or nothing person after a day, I was just, I didn't have a plan. The plan was no plan. And that was not good. <laughs> yeah. But I know that that's not the way I should have, you know, reached out and got more support. So tell me about the people that are listening right now that are saying, but I want to be healthy and I don't want to be on a plan, like a, let's say a diet plan, you right. know, one of these shakes sure. or bars or whatever you want to call it, whatever. Not that they're bad, just saying, yeah. um, how do I go about intuitive eating? How do I go about how I feel like, what if I want to have a bagel? Like, is that good or bad or is there no good or bad? So <laughs> share yeah. with us. The first thing I always like to kind of let people know is that intuitive eating is not about weight loss. <laughs> so I think a lot of times people are like, oh, great. Here's this other thing I can try. That's going to help me lose weight. Um, what I, what I often tell people is that when you really embrace an intuitive eating practice, your body will probably stabilize at a weight that it feels most comfortable at. Unfortunately, sometimes that weight is higher than like our superficial selves might want it to be. Um, and people might think like, Oh, that that's unhealthy or that's, you know, what, what isn't that going to make me unhealthy if I'm like a higher weight than I am right now. Um, and I always like to just automatically, like before even getting into the information, debunk that, um, and say that the research really supports that your health is really dictated by your habits, not by the weight that you are. So you could fall into an overweight or obese category and practice intuitive eating and practice movement and, getting enough sleep and drinking enough water, you know, all those things that we need to kind of feel good and still be as healthy as someone who is a lower weight than you. So I always like to just kind of like start with that. (laughs) Um, Cause I think that that's something that people always freak out about is like, Oh, am I going to gain weight from intuitive eating? And the truth is like, yeah, you might, you might gain weight, you might lose weight, you might not change your weight at all. So those are, those are your three options. (laughs) Those are your body's three options. 
And then the second thing people always think is that intuitive eating is just like, well, I can eat whatever I want, like what, however much I want and whenever I want. And I think it, it is kind of like that, but I always say that the practice is about doing things that are going to support your body's, um, intuition versus things that are going to kind of deter it and set it up on, on a track to like exacerbate these unhealthy habits. So uh, for instance, like we were saying, sleeping, if you don't get enough sleep at night, like your body is naturally going to crave more food and it's going to, you know, probably crave higher sugar foods just to get your hormones to regulate again. So doing things like sleeping and exercise and hydrating are ways to kind of support your body's intuition. It does also involve giving yourself unconditional permission to eat, <laughs> which freaks people out. Like, do you get freaked out when you hear that? I do. I, yeah. I, I kind of do. I'm listening to that and I'm trying to take it in, but there's a part of me that goes, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think of it like, so a lot of the research shows that if you deprive yourself of something and a lot of diets now, or a lot of programs, whatever you want to call them, like a diet is a diet is a diet to me, um, uh, will really kind of advocate for eliminating a certain food group, like eliminating dairy, eliminating sugar, eliminating whatever, only eating this much blah. And studies have shown that the more that you do that, the more you yourself, the more you end up craving that item and the more likely you are to overeat or binge on that particular food when you get in contact with it. And I think that's something that so many people can relate to. Like how many times have you gone like a week without sugar? And then like on day eight, you're like, give me all the donuts. Oh no. I mean, that's, that's a good, a very big pattern of mine. I'll go and, you know, take out I'll use carbs. For example, I did a program diet, whatever you want to call it. And it was like no carbs or very little carbs. I don't say no carbs. And you know, you're doing good when you're in it, but the minute you, then it's like, you want them so badly because you didn't have them. So then I overdid them because it's almost, you know, it's like deprivation. It's right. like, I'm never going to have them again. So I better yeah. have a whole bunch and fill up because the next day, you know, I'm going to have, I'm going to feel so bad that I'm going to not have them again. You know, it's like this, you, your mind goes into this feeling that it's also the thing is like the bad, good thing, you know, like, yeah. so if you're on this diet and you're doing good without the sugar or doing good without the carbs, and then you slip up or whatever you want to call it, you're normal. And then you go, oh, I'll just go off for the weekend. Well, now your body's like, yay. And you, you feel like you're never going to get it back. So it's like this constant fight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really exhausting actually. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I love so much about the practice is that like, so one, it's unconditional permission to eat and which feels like might feel nuts to people when they first get started. Right. And so that's why I always recommend having some support because maybe you don't start one day just saying, okay, I'm going to give myself unconditional permission to eat. Cause then you're going to, you might have those feelings of out of control. And if you're still, if you're still attaching that like morality to food, like, oh, this is bad. It might send you in like a, a downward spiral because that's just what you're conditioned to do in those situations. Whereas, you know, if you have some support, 
you might be able to slowly start adding things back in and really talking about like, how did I feel after I ate that? Did I eat enough to feel satisfied or did I eat so much that I felt sick? Um, how can we kind of set you up to have a more positive experience next time? And that's like really what the beginning of that practice is like, is like trying to have more positive experiences with food. So one way to do that is really simple. It's like something I always try and get people started on right away is having consistent meals throughout the day. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, and like maybe a couple of snacks in between instead of skipping breakfast, having like a, a green salad for, for lunch and then feeling out of control at dinner and ends with like almost every woman I ever talked to where I'm like, okay, you're not binging. You just didn't eat breakfast. <laughs> so if you can do things that really, um, support your body's biology, it's a lot easier to tap into your intuition. And then with that, you work to kind of stop looking at foods as good or bad. There are some foods that, you know, I'm not, you, we're not going to say that broccoli is as healthy as a Snickers bar. Like we know that that's, you know, we know that those two things are not nutritionally equal, but they can be emotionally equal. So one of the things I keep hearing you saying is a practice and, you know, I'm a yoga teacher and I teach meditation. So these are all, and Reiki. So the energy, you know, all of those are all practices and you keep saying that and it's starting to click that it's not, and it's not just a one-time thing. And it's not like, it's a perfect, it's not a, it's a practice, not a perfect. So it's being really kind to yourself. And I think that's another part of the intuition that, you have to, it's changing. It's really the mindset, right? Cause you're changing the mindset of how your relationship with food is. I think the majority of women, even though they, they, if they were really honest, if they were really honest, it's the relationship with food right. over the weight. And, oh, and maybe yeah. I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that if we had, if majority of people had a better relationship with food, then they would have a better relationship with their body And then, you know, hence they wouldn't have all these dieting crazies, but it's this, this, you know, I don't know where it comes from, obviously growing up in society, we can go on and on and looking a certain way and all of that. So when you change it into your mindset and you make it a practice that intuitive eating is a practice because it's like meditation. I, you know, I, I guide meditation during the week. Uh, where I am. And I get this all the time. As a matter of fact, on Saturday I had this and it was very frustrating. I felt frustrated for them. It was two new people and we hold meditation in the middle of the day, like 30 minutes. It's, and you could just come in off the street and take meditation for a donation. And it was only two people and she sat down. She was her second time she ever meditated. And unfortunately we had an instructor in the next room and he was a little bit louder than he should be, but these things happen. So she moved, she kept moving her space, like from one side in the middle to another. And I was doing a visualization and it was over. And I said, you know, I'm sorry. It was a little loud, but you know, honestly, that is part of the practice. There will be the dog barking and the phone mate ring and the leaf blowers might be outside. And she was irate. She was like, well, I'm really unhappy. I'm, I'm, this is really uncalled for. And, you know, she's like, I'm not mad at you, but this, I came in and I have more anxiety now than I did before. And I'm like, oh. and I tried to explain the idea of a practice to her, like just what a practice is. Right. And that her just coming on a Saturday 
it, it really to go home. So I said, how about if we just change this for a moment? Can you sit for five minutes every day? She's like, and do what? <laughs> and I'm like, like just, sit. <laughs> just sit, put your timer on your phone. Clearly everyone has a smartphone or some phone or anything and just sit for five minutes and notice your inhale and exhale, but do it every day. Do it every day. That's the thing or do it as often <laughs> as you can. And so, right. because they, they're waiting for this aha moment, they're waiting for the clouds to part and, you know, Jesus to step forth and there's no whatever. And I'm, I said to her, you're going to have your thoughts, but it's the practice. It's coming back to the practice, coming back to the practice. And that's what I'm hearing from you. So it probably has a lot to do with listening, uh, knowing this is all part of intuition, listening, knowing, feeling, and also just feeling that connection. So is it a lot to do with mindfulness or like a mindful similar to that? the biggest piece when you're getting started is that you're just really heightening your awareness around your relationship to food and your relationship to your body. Cause they both play into each other when you really can't have a, a good relationship with food without having a good relationship with your body and vice versa. So I think that, yeah, it is, it is a practice that's raising that awareness, but it's also getting rid of like the perfectionism that comes with it. And like you said, it's like, that's what I experienced when I first started here is that like, I would see, I would see all of these women come to me and be like, okay, give me the plan because this work is the emotional work that goes along with meditation and with intuitive eating and with healing your relationship with your body is, it can be exhausting. Like it's a lot if you're really have been grappling with this stuff for a long time. And so it's quite easy to see like an infomercial or, or a magazine article about this like new diet or this new thing. And you're like, great, I can just do this plan and then my life will be different. But this really is like a practice. And some days you're going to feel awesome and you're going to be in it. And it's like flow and you're eating when you're hungry and you're stopping when you're full and your body feels amazing and you have really good energy. And then some days you're going to be like driving like to work late because your alarm didn't go off and you're going to maybe grab breakfast on your way out, but maybe not. (laughs) And you're not going to drink a sip of water until four o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) Then, um, you're probably going to have like a big giant bowl of pasta and meatballs for dinner and, (laughs) and then call it a night. And that's fine. Like, I think that it's just about knowing that that's just something that happens versus like, Oh, that was a bad day. So there's, there's not really any good or bad that comes along with it. It's just being a little bit more aware of your, of your practices. And do you have, so when you work with people, do you, do you work with them one-on-one or do you work with them in groups? Mostly one-on-one. Okay. So if they, I guess there's also the support, obviously they have you as support and that's, that's always big in anything you're trying to change or shift because, you know, a lot of this is conditioning from what you know, and that's all, you know, and majority of people do. So you're, you're kind of coming out, you know, you're coloring outside the lines a little bit. So the support is probably extremely important for, for everybody. Do you mostly have women or is it, is it mixed your, your clients? I have one male client right now and he feels very excluded (laughs) because I work with mostly women. Um, they, they just seem to be like more in in my experience. I don't, I shouldn't generalize, but just in my experience, most of the women are like 
oh, like excited to kind of come in and like have the conversations. Whereas a lot of the men I see are like, tell me exactly how many mm-hmm. calories to eat and tell me exactly what to do. And I promise I'll do it. Like, <laughs> You know, so, but yeah, so mostly women. Well, there's the gender difference sometimes. And again, generally speaking, which I know it's not always the case, but men tend to be more black and white and women tend to be more gray. And that's why whenever I, I speak about intuition in general, or I've done speaking engagements, it's, there is something to say that women's intuition or even mother's intuition, they don't say, you know, male intuition, you know, so we we tend to have a little bit more of that. So, uh, not that's not for everybody, you guys. So, yeah. So yeah, it's if, funny because I, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> but I just, I always think about this, like whenever I have con- conversations about my business with my boyfriend, because I'll, I definitely have like more of that, like intuitive, creative mind. And he, he's always like, how is this going? Like how much revenue is this going to bring in? <laughs> and so like, it's definitely like a nice yin yang, but sometimes I'm like, can you just shut up? <laughs> like, can you not talk about that for just one second? You know, it's, it's interesting. The, the truth. It's the black and white and then the gray of it all. Yeah. So let's say uh, someone's listening. Let's just say it's a woman for sake of argument. And this is sort of new to her. What is one thing, you know, like the intuitive eating? Yeah. What is one, like one small, small action or one small, maybe even mindset shift that she could do today if she listened to us or listened to the podcast? So mindset shift, I would say to really work to heighten your awareness. And I like to say, this is like become a food anthropologist. And see if you can go throughout the next few days or even a few weeks and just notice what your eating patterns are. Because that's always the first step to this. It's not about going home and automatically changing everything that you're doing. It's just seeing what am I, what am I doing now and seeing if you can approach it with more curiosity than judgment. So, oh, I had um, a hard-boiled egg for breakfast. And then I'm hungry an hour later. That's interesting. Maybe I had to eat something else or maybe some, you know, something totally different, different happens. But I think just seeing if you can kind of heighten the awareness around your actions and then also look at them without judgment. That's Mm. always like the asterisk. Like that's a key (laughs) is to be able to not say like, oh, that was so bad or that was really good. Like there's no gold stars and there's no bad, you know, bad things either, but it's more about um, just being curious and seeing, you know, what questions can you ask and how can you dig a little bit deeper? I like that. And it's, it's anyone can do that. So it's just looking at the next day or two, or maybe a few days and noticing when they're hungry, noticing when they're not hungry, noticing what food they want at the time. Mm -hmm. And because I think what happens a lot of times is that's not what happens. What happens is, okay, it's Monday morning and I'm going to get up. I'm just using starting fresh, starting fresh. It's Monday and I'm going to do this plan and lose X amount of weight. If it's a weight loss thing, lose X amount of weight, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then it's like, you're eating what you're told to eat. You're not thinking about what you want. If you wanted I, and I, and I think I read somewhere, or maybe it was on your most recent podcast that someone said the studies show that that's actually when you, when you can adopt the practice of intuitive eating, 
you actually eat pretty health. Uh, well, you eat pretty well for your body and you eat enough. It's not like you're going haywire. Is that, right. I think I read that. I think I heard that recently on your show. Yeah. Well, my, so, uh, my colleague Marcy Evans says that intuitive eating is like combining the knowledge you have of nutrition. So external knowledge with the wisdom of your body. And I love that because it's not ignoring the fact that like there, we do have some research about nutrition. Like we know that some foods are healthier or more nutritious. I like to say than others. Um, and so it's not kind of ignoring that, but it's getting rid of like the morality. And so when you can do that, when you can, when no food is good or bad, and you can actually say what, what you were just saying, what do I really want right now? And then your body goes, I kind of want pizza instead of saying, Oh no, I can't have that. That's, that's bad. That's not on the plan. See if you can have it and then really try and like savor the satisfaction, like see how satisfied you can get from that experience. And that's where that mindfulness practice comes in really handy. It's not, it's not feasible for everyone to do that at every meal and every snack all the time. Like we just, we have to plan and we have to eat foods that are convenient sometimes. But I think that if you can really think about getting more satisfaction out of the food, you tend to, um, be able to eat enough to satisfy you versus feeling like you have to overdo it because you're never going to have that food again. Exactly. I, I, I can definitely see how that can start to really become again, like you said, a practice, like you get into that, the mindset of it. And, and maybe when you go for, say it's a slice of pizza, let's use example. If you choose the slice of pizza and you're mindful to some degree eating the slice of pizza, because that's part of it, right? This whole mindful eating, perhaps you won't have three slices. So you'll, you'll say, well, if I can have this, I don't have to overdo it because it's always there. It's not like it's forbidden. And I think that's the other part. Like when it's the forbidden foods over time, you're like, of course, if someone, you know, said you can never have chocolate again, all you're going to think about is wanting chocolate, you know? So I love that. So the question of intuition. So if I asked you, what is, what is your definition of intuition? Mm. I love that. I love that question. <laughs> I, know, I, always... I love that question. It's such a good question. I think that intuition from, from my perspective is truth. It's getting rid of this is right, or this is wrong, or this is good, or this is bad. It's like, this is just what is. And I think that's, it's always kind of saved me from, you know, like going down, like I said, that people pleaser person in me is like, okay, I'm going to do this thing because it's like, it's right. And it's good. And then my rebel or my intuition comes in and it's like, no, like <laughs> you're not going to do this thing. Cause that's not what you want to be doing. Um, and you're kind of like, I feel like when you're forcing something, you're to either be good or be bad or be right or wrong, then your intuition's kind of like, I'm out. <laughs> but I, yeah, so I think it's truth. I think it's just the the thing that is. And if you can always kind of come back to that, it makes it so much easier to, to listen to it. It's great. And it's, it's, it's the truth that we can listen and trust. And they, they yeah. talk a lot about that. And then another intuition question. So in your business, where is there a moment or something that you felt like you really listened to your intuition in business that either you created a program or 
maybe just starting the business or following something or anything you want to share? Like yeah. Yeah, more well, in the business part. I know your business is part of yeah. intuitive eating, but in the whole sense of your business as you. Yeah. I, I think a, a couple, a couple of instances was first. Yeah. Just starting my business. I worked, um, I worked for whole foods for a few years and I was doing marketing for them. And I had reached a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is not fun. I don't like this. I really miss doing this type of work. I wasn't training anymore. I just had kind of like, I think I got burnt out on it. And so that's why I ended up getting this other job. And, and it was like, <laughs> I like made the decision that I was going to leave. And then like within a few months I was, I was out. <laughs> and so that was, that was definitely a time where I felt like I kind of took that leap of faith, but then also in doing the work that I do now, like I was so trained in this weight loss paradigm and this kind of more traditional way of looking at nutrition and fitness and to be honest, it's a lot easier to market yourself when you can promise that you're going to help someone lose weight or get the body that they want. And I just felt like my, my intuition at that point was like, no, <laughs> like, why are you doing this? And it just, I, I reached a point where I was like, okay, I can't do it anymore. And it was just like overnight, it like everything kind of clicked and shifted. And, and I was like, okay. And I, and it's like, you feel so much better when you do that. Like you just, it's like weight lifts off of you and you're not, I don't know, feeling weighed down anymore. And it's also, I always find there those aha moments. People say it's, it usually comes with a risk. Sometimes there's like a risk to say, I'm going to do something different or I'm going to step out in a different way. And then the action comes, right? So first it's like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm, I got it. And then of course you have to deal with it. Right. Mm -hmm. But the intuition, it really doesn't have any fear connected to it. It usually is a very peaceful moment when you have the, it depends on how it comes in as a thought or a vision, but it's like you said, it's like a weight lifted. And that's, it's another thing that when you can listen to it or feel it, it always comes in again, different ways that it's, it's very subtle, right? Like you said, like all of a sudden Mm -hmm. there's this weight lifted that I'm going to go for it. So yeah. It's so, it's like just such a, <laughs> it's such a cool thing that we have. Isn't you know, it? It's, it's so like, cool. we, we know, <laughs> I like, I always think about this because it's like, we, I think we're just born very, as very intuitive beings. And then over time, it kind of gets like shoved down because like we have so many other like external messages coming in. But the, like, those moments you have where you're like, I mean, for me, sometimes it's like my eyes pop open in the middle of the night and I'm like, it's like, I know something I never knew before. <laughs> it's like so crazy. And those moments are just like so exciting. And if you really like stop and listen to them, because it's easy to kind of be like, Oh no, can't, can't do that. And it's then, true. I, I feel like it's like living in Hogwarts, you know, it's like being yeah. a little like magical and yeah. I don't, it, I want to have everybody acknowledge it and everybody feel it. And so my biggest passion is to know that everybody's intuitive. And when I get people that they're like, Oh, I'm not intuitive. It's like, Oh no, they don't feel the magic, you know? I know. But but yeah. So where can we have people find you share where where to find you, your podcast? My website is jessiehaggerty.com. And my podcast also on that website or in iTunes is the body love project. 
And we talk a lot about intuitive eating. The first eight episodes are all um, about intuitive eating. And then, then we go into more body image and body acceptance and fat acceptance and diversity. And so there's a lot of cool topics to cover within this realm. Yeah, for so, sure. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Go check it out, guys. So the Body Love Project and Body Love is one word and yeah. uh, Jesse with an I. So J-E-S-S-I Haggerty. Um, yep dot com. So, yeah. well, this has been a pleasure. I feel like yeah. time always goes too fast. I know. I but... also have, um, I would say on my website is a, a, a bonus episode to my podcast. That's a intuitive eating training. So it's 45 minutes and it kind of takes you through like step-by-step step what you can do to get started with that practice. So oh, anyone's that's... interested in learning more. Oh, that's perfect. And they can just find you, find that on your website as well. Yep. It's like a banner right at the top of my website. Can't miss it. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Thank you I, so much. Oh, you're welcome. I hope the weather stays uh, nice for you as well as down here. Yeah. And uh, next time you come to Long Island, you'll have to visit. <laughs> yes, I know. We're so close. So I'll definitely let you know. Absolutely. Thanks. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. So what a fantastic show with Jesse Haggerty. I learned so much. I hope you learned as well. I've always been interested in intuitive eating. And so I definitely learned something. So go check her out, jessiehaggerty.com and her podcast, The Body Love Project. Before I leave you, I want to share with you a breathing technique. It's very simple and anyone can do. So just take a moment if you can. We're going to do a very short, uh, what they call pranayama and and I will teach with you Ujjayi breath. So that is a very easy breath to learn. So just go ahead and find yourself comfortable for another moment or so. So you're going to begin breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. And you're going to create some sound. So the sound is echoey and oceany, inhaling through the nose and exhaling through the nose. Coming to Ujjayi breath. Allow the sound to be echoey and oceany between your ears. It can almost feel like Darth Vader between like behind your throat. And it sounds a little like fogging a mirror. So you can almost practice the sound, but it's a ha sound with the lips closed. So inhale and exhale. And that sound is behind the throat, inhaling and exhaling. It's relaxing. It's meditative. Also, if you have a yoga practice, you want to bring Ujjayi breath into your yoga practice to focus. And we'll do another Ujjayi breath together. Inhale, Ujjayi breath, sounded breath. Exhale, Ujjayi breath. Well, thank you once again for joining me for another episode of the Intuitive Woman podcast. Have a beautiful day. Namaste. Namaste.